This is Digital Health Today, episode 27. They were able to identify with our technology some specific voice features that could tell if a person was having a heart condition, in this case it's a coronary artery disease, CAD, or not. Welcome to Digital Health Today, the podcast focused on the leaders, innovators and technologies transforming healthcare today and tomorrow. Find us online at digitalhealthtoday.com. This episode is brought to you by Bear Grants for Apps and their new DealMaker program. Bear Grants for Apps is calling all mature teams, startups, and companies that have a solution ready to go. The new DealMaker program is all about quality FaceTime between you and Bear experts for one full day. Don't wait. Applications are open until June 30th, 2017. Visit grantsforapps.com forward slash Berlin. That's grants, the number four, apps.com forward slash Berlin. Welcome back. This is Digital Health Today, the place to be to get the insights of leaders working to make the healthcare of tomorrow available today. I'm your host, Dan Kendall, and this is episode 27. I've got a really cool show in store for you today. We'll be speaking with Yuval Moore, the CEO of Beyond Verbal, and he's going to tell us what your voice is actually saying about you. And I have to tell you, it's a lot more than you may think. But first, let's talk community, this community, the digital health community. Thanks for tuning in. We have a lot going on that we're building with our members, partners, and sponsors. It's an exciting time, and I'm glad that you are a part of it. In fact, I invite you to be an active part of it. If you have a story you'd like to share, visit the website and tell me about it. Jump on the contact page at digitalhealthtoday.com and use any of the links there to get in touch. You can also email me directly at dan at digitalhealthtoday.com or tweet me at healthtechdan. We've already had several people submit articles and we'll be adding them to the blog, as well as getting in touch with some of the podcast guests that people have recommended. On another note, a lot of interest on the online digital health innovation program we're running. It's called the Digital Health Jumpstart. If you are working to cross the chasm and bring your innovation to implementation, you should definitely check this program out. If you're struggling with business models or regulatory questions, or you need clinical input, or you're trying to figure out how design thinking can be applied in healthcare, We've got your back with this program. Find out more about it by clicking on the links on the website or just go straight to digitalhealthjumpstart.com. We're bringing together world-class innovators with decades of experience, and we're focusing on a talented group of innovators that want to accelerate their work in digital health. If that sounds like you, I look forward to sharing more about this program with you, so be sure to register your interest on the website. Last quick thing, if you're working to transform healthcare, you've probably heard of the Pink Sox Tribe. It's made up of makers and doers working to create change in healthcare, and you can often find excited groups of people showing off their special pink socks at various health conferences around the world. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then check out pinksocks.life and see what I mean. I'm very excited to let you know that the founder of the Pink Socks movement is going to be a guest on this show. That's right, Nick Adkins, also known as Nick is NPDX on Twitter, is going to be a guest here on Digital Health Today. I'll be interviewing him in a few days' time after the airing of this podcast, and I'd love to know what questions you'd like to have asked. So I invite you to tweet me your questions at HealthTechDan or directly to the show at DHealthToday, and I'll fit in as many as I can. All right, I'm excited to bring you today's guest. We know that words are powerful and that what you say can be interpreted differently based on how you say it. The insights provided through our speech is getting supercharged thanks to the talented team of innovators at Beyond Verbal. Beyond Verbal is a company based in Israel that can correlate distinct voice features with health conditions and reveal novel vocal biomarkers. 
The Mayo Clinic has used their technology in a study about coronary artery disease, and it's also being used for autism spectrum disorder and Parkinson's disease. To tell us more about the science and how it's being applied, I spoke to the CEO, Yuval Moore. Yuval got a degree in computer science and economics from Tel Aviv University and a management degree from Stanford University. He then worked in various leadership roles focusing on sales and marketing across a range of technology companies. In this interview, we cover how the company got started, how the technology has been deployed in the commercial environment, and how it can be used in healthcare. Yuval also talks about their free app, which is called Moody's, and it's available on iOS and Android. You can use this app to analyze your own speech using their technology. It's very cool, and you'll definitely want to check it out. You can find everything we discuss and more information about the company by visiting the show notes at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 27, the number 27. Now, without further ado, here's the interview with the CEO of Beyond Verbal, Yuval Moore. Yuval, thanks for joining me, and welcome to the program. Thanks a lot for uh, having me. I'm very excited uh, with the opportunity. Thank you. Yuval, I've shared with the listeners a little bit of background. Can you fill in some blanks about your personal journey that got you to where you are today? Yeah, I actually, I think I was uh, pretty fortunate to have an interesting background because I started with uh, working as a software engineer in the Israeli army, and I did this for about eight years. And then I wanted to move from the technology side to the business side, and I was pretty fortunate to work with uh, four startup companies, one that uh, went public and three that were acquired. And after spending about six years in a company in Israel as the head of sales and marketing, a company that we ended up taking public, uh, I moved uh, to California. I did a graduate degree at Stanford, as you mentioned, and then I ended up staying for a total of 10 years in Silicon Valley before I moved back to Israel. So I was very fortunate to have really the opportunity to work both in Silicon Valley and in Israel in uh, diverse areas of technology. So I, I really consider myself pretty fortunate. Well, you're the first guest that we've actually had on from Israel, and there are so many technology companies that are being developed there. And you've worked in Silicon Valley, and now you're based in Israel and, and running a technology company there. Can you give us any flavor about what the environment is like? I've actually never been to Israel, so I'd love to get some insight about what the startup culture is like and some of the exciting things that are happening there. So it's a very, very vibrant environment and, and very much like Silicon Valley, you have the combination here of a lot of entrepreneurial environment, venture money, a lot of it is coming also with investment coming from outside of Israel, very good universities. So in just terms of, of support system, it's a tremendous so you're now the CEO of Beyond Verbal, and this is a really fascinating company. So uh, I first found your company when I was at the CES meeting in Las Vegas earlier this year, in January this year, and I actually literally just stumbled across it. I wasn't looking for it. I happened to notice it. I was in the Israeli uh, uh, section of the CES meeting and had a very long discussion with one of your colleagues there, Daniel Gashoni. And and I was really amazed at what you guys are working on and the technology. So I want to dive deep into some of the applications for it. But can you give us a sort of overview of the work that you're doing at Beyond Verbal? Yes. So actually, the, the story of, uh, of Beyond Verbal is a very interesting one because the technology that uh, we are based on actually has been in development or in research by the professor that is now our chief scientist 
יורם לבנון, דוקטור יורם לבנון, and he started it over 22 years ago. with the understanding that there is some type of communication that is going on between human beings that is just based on the tone of voice. The, the thing that really kind of started it for him is when he was looking at the communication between babies and parents. And his thought was, if you take a baby at a very young age, before they understand any words, sometimes before their eyes are even opening, and they can still react to the way their parents are behaving, whether they are stressed or they are relaxed, whether they, you know, are kind of in love or, or keep the distance, and the baby react to this. And his conclusion was that there is something that is going on in the air that, just based on the tone of voice that is going from the parents and is being able to be deciphered by the brain of a very young, uh, a very young baby. And this is based on tone of voice only, and this is what sparked his, uh, his imagination. He actually later on thought about the fact that if you bring the baby from one country, let's say from Brazil for adoption in the UK, The same phenomena would still happen, which means that this tonation language is actually language agnostic. It's not dependent on the, the culture or, or the language where the, the baby was, uh, was born. So fast forward about 20 years, we have decided to start Beyond Verbal about four and a half years ago. as a completely new company, and we acquired the technology that Dr. Lebanon uh, developed. And what we did is we started to use new technologies, uh, things like uh, machine learning and AI, artificial intelligence, in order to take it to the next level. He has done a tremendous uh, work of getting it to one level of accuracy, if you will. And with the new available tools now, we could take it to a whole new level. So that's what, uh, what we've been doing. I'll tell you more when we talk about the, the health side, but it started with understanding of emotions. And then it basically widened into getting as many insights as possible from just tone of voice. We don't understand words or meaning or content, just focused on tone of voice. So voice was a very different thing 22 years ago. I mean, obviously, spoken language uh, hasn't changed that much. But in terms of the way we associate voice with technology, uh, it's changing very rapidly as we're seeing things become more voice controlled. We're seeing Siri and Alexa and the Google Home connected devices and more and more. There's rumors now that Apple's coming out with a device very soon for your, for your home. So the way that we're looking at voice from a technology perspective has changed a lot since 1995 when this research was started. But... Uh, These five patents were applied for and granted back in 2008. They were acquired, which became sort of the basis of Beyond Verbal. You actually got $3.8 million in funding at that time. So what was the sort of business case that was garnering that sort of investment and interest? That's a pretty substantial amount. What were you looking at and, and how were you planning to monetize it given where we were almost 10 years ago? Right. So that's a very, very good, very important observation of how much we've learned to use voice over the years. When we started, the focus was more on a commercialization of the emotions, what we call emotions analytics technology. And if you think about this, again, intuitively, you can think of things like a call center. 
Okay, if we can give the ability for agents to better understand their customers in real time, are they angry, are they ready for upsell and, and so on, and at the same time give the agent a real-time feedback of how do they come across to the, the customers if they are losing their patience, if they are talking in an ideal intonation, and, and the team leaders can get a real-time view if the conversation is, is heating, uh, heating up. So that was one set of applications. Then we've uh, used it a lot in areas such as market research. Because now we could give brands the ability to see what their customers really feel about their brands, their packaging, their experiences, and so on, and do it without filling all kinds of questionnaires, but very intuitively just answering open-ended questions and analyzing the emotions coming out of this. Things like coaching and self-training. You know, we have an application that is called Moody's. It's available for free for Android and iPhones. And I'm using it before I have to give important presentations. It gives me the opportunity to see, instead of practicing just in front of a mirror, gives me an opportunity to see with the software if I'm coming across as relaxed and excited, or if I'm nervous, or if I'm not ready. Things like HR, recruiting, again, not replacing the interviewer, but getting more information about the interviewee. So that's how we started monetizing the the emotions analytics engine that we had. And that was the initial motivation. Of course, we always had in the background some of the other application, but that was the initial, uh, initial motivation. You mentioned the Moody's app, and when I saw you the other day in um, in Berlin when we were there for the Cube Tech Fair, you showed me this app, and I hadn't come across it before, but what was really amazing to me was, number one, how easy to use it is. Uh, I mean, you just you just download the app, you start to record your voice. There were a few things that you said about make sure it's close to the audio source, so meaning your, your mouth, uh, and there's not a lot of background noise and that you're not looking at the screen for looking at the feedback that you're getting. But this whole technology is so easy to use in terms of you just need a voice recording, even on your website. And I'll embed some of these things in the show notes. But on your website, you've taken just stock video footage, openly accessible video footage from YouTube showing Steve Jobs and things talking about the iPad. And you've run that through your analytics to give more insight. And it is amazing to see. So where does that sort of stack in in terms of making this so easy to use and, and integrating into the way people are working and the systems that they're using day to day? So we started, we actually brought out to the market the Moody's application mostly in order to show to people that were skeptic about the ability to analyze emotion through the tone of voice in real time, just for them to see. It's not really a commercial application, even though we get tremendous feedback about you know, people that are using it with their kids and with their spouses and, you know, with each other, colleagues and so on. But it was mainly to show to people that it's possible. But the real commercial implication is when we have taken the engine that is also behind Moody's and behind some of the other application, and we put this as a cloud-based service 
and we are giving application developers the ability to access it using an API exactly for the things that, uh, that you are saying, just use it for day-to-day -day application. And that's because we believe the technology can be applicable to a big variety of use cases. And at the same time, we don't have the resources or the creativity to think about all these, uh, all these use cases. So we just uh, published a case study of a company that is using it for sales training for you know, Fortune 500 uh, companies. Others are using it for a recording of emotions. They call it uh, emotions, like the emotions during experiences when you're watching pictures or when you're on vacations and so on. Others are using it for dating. And that's really, you know, people come up with some fascinating uh, ideas and they can use, we can harness, if you will, their creativity using the, uh, uh, the API because at the end of the day, it is very natural. We are doing it all the time. And now it's the first time that it's possible to do it using a uh, software. So uh, I, I want to make sure that we give people some indication of where they can find out more about becoming a, a partner uh, in that area. We'll do that later in the program. But first, I wanted to come back to something you said earlier in terms of babies from Brazil being able to go to uh, France or England or Israel or and still being able to engage based on voice patterns. There are over or about, there are about 7,000 languages around the world. And I know this isn't actually analyzing the words. It's really looking at vocal intonations and patterns. But are you saying that really uh, across all those or, or, or many of those 7,000 languages that th your technology can apply to determine the emotional state and the emotional intonation of the speaker? So I, I have to be a very accurate, and there's also a, a nice story around this. We've tested the, the software in over 40 languages that we have in our database. We have a growing database that right now holds more than 3 million voices, samples in over 40 languages. And you're right. When we say it's language agnostic, we have to be very careful. At some point, we got a message that, you know, someone was asking if this is working also on the, you know, clicking kind of uh, in the Kalahari mm -hmm. desert, like all these. Uh, and right. this is where I said, okay, that, that's, I don't know, but we've checked it with uh, phonetical languages, of, of course, and also tonal languages like uh, Chinese and, and Vietnamese and over these 40 languages. And by the way, when we said it, it was pretty, when our chief scientists said it, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it was really groundbreaking. But now there is a lot of research that shows that because it's coming from the same part of the brain, the limbic system, the like precognitive system part of the brain, then it is common between languages. And I guess the intuitive way to think about this is if you are watching a foreign movie where you don't understand the language and there are no subtitles, as human beings, we are still able to capture the emotions that are going on on the, the screen, even if we don't understand the, the language. And that's based on what we see and what we hear and so on. So that's 
And there is research that supports it, but intuitively, this is a nice way to, to think about this as well. So I can certainly see the applications in the consumer and, and, and business space. But what really got me excited when I was talking with Daniel some months ago, and again, when I saw you the other week in, uh, in Berlin, was the healthcare applications for this. Because I've worked with a lot of companies that are doing telemedicine solutions. And as you mentioned, there, there are companies that are doing sales training and things to, to better be able to communicate with, uh, with clients and with users of technology. What are you working on in terms of the clinical applications. I know you guys had a study that you did with Mayo and you've got a few other uh, study partner research partners. Can you give us some insight into what the, that Mayo Clinic study showed and some of the other things that you're working on uh, in a research space? Absolutely. So the, the interesting thing is also how this whole thing started. Our chief scientist at some point took a group of people that he knew and wanted to validate some of the emotions analysis that he was doing, and the results came really bad. And because he has a physics background and operation science, he was kind of, listen, either my model is working in 90% of the cases or I'm missing something. And then he realized that this group of people that he knew personally very well and the results didn't match all had a dyslexia. And then he had the idea of maybe there are these signals in the voice, what we now call vocal biomarkers, that can indicate a medical, a medical condition. And he started the, the research. I must be honest with you and tell you that when I came on, on board, I was very, very skeptic about this. And that's why for the longest time we haven't talked, we haven't said anything about the, the, the medical applications. But we did a lot of research in the background. The most groundbreaking work that we did was with uh, with Mayo Clinic, and they just published the initial results about three, four months ago. And the bottom line was that they were able to identify with our technology some specific voice features that could tell if a person was having a heart condition. In this case, it's a coronary artery disease, CAD, or not. And this is phenomenal because A, it's something that has never been done before. B, unlike other conditions, which I can talk about in a minute, this is not something that this distortion is not something that you can hear with a regular human ear. So it's not something that is very uh, intuitive, but the implications that this can have on, like you said, telemedicine, remote a home care providing you know good quality monitoring in remote areas some of these remote areas you know the people don't have anything to eat but they they do have smartphones so i think the ability to have a real impact on the health area is really what motivates now a lot of the the, the people that are involved in the company especially because of of these kind of of use cases wow that's really fascinating. Let's get into some of the details about how this can be applied then, uh, because, I mean, you mentioned that the biomarker uh, or the research that was done by Mayo Clinic focused on coronary artery disease. I'm thinking about other applications that can be used for congestive heart failure and for Parkinson's and uh, even things like, like autism and, and mental health conditions. Can you give me some insight about how those things are being applied and what you guys are, are working on in those areas? Absolutely. So the, the thing is that once we have established the fact that 
there is, or at least, you know, I have established from myself because my chief scientist kept telling me all the time, I told you this all the time, and I kept telling him, but I didn't believe you, of course. You know, that's the type of interaction that, uh, that we have. But once it was established that there are these signals in the voice, then we, we said, okay, now this is an opportunity to really create a community of collaboration from around the world. So we've established what we call the Beyond Research Platform, which is kind of a collaboration platform where we are inviting research institutes from all over the world to come and collaborate with us on uh, doing such research. So we are working now with a well-known hospital in China, and we are starting to work with an institute in uh, in the UK and in Brazil. And so, you know, with this whole cloud-based technology and the access to all of these institutes, we can do these types of collaboration in remote areas or faraway areas and really do some groundbreaking work. So we are working on things like being able to detect and also maybe check about the levels of treatment that you need to do in ADHD. We are working with an institute in California about uh, PTSD. We are working, like we said, on congestive heart failure and coronary artery disease, rehabilitation. There are some tremendous use cases that we can use, and this is really where all the things that we've been doing are coming together because as a whole, our body is influenced by our emotions and our health conditions and the fact that we can measure and quantify along this variety of axes. This is where it makes the, this is where we see a tremendous uh, uh, potential. So that's the type of work that we are doing right now. Great. I was just looking on your website to try to find a link for this Beyond Research. How do people find out about the Beyond Research program and how do they get involved with that? So actually on our website, there are two areas for these types of collaboration. One is the area of the developer site. We were talking before about the ability to connect using an API to our emotions engine. And if you go to our website, there is the developer site. And that's something that you can sign up for getting a free 30 days trials. And that's something very easy to do. And then if you go to the health area, you can click on the health area. You can see the Beyond M Health Research Platform. And there, there is a whole area of how you can access it, how you can ask questions, how you can have an agreement with us. And this is more for universities or hospital or leading researchers and, and so on. So that's, these two areas are on our, on our website. We'll get right back to the interview in just a minute. But first, I wanted to tell you about our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Bear Grants for Apps. Bears put together an additional, brand new program that I wanted to make sure to tell you all about. The new program is called the Dealmaker Program. This program is aimed at mature teams, startups, and companies that have a solution ready to go. The brand new Dealmaker Program is all about providing quality face time between you and Bear experts for one full day. If there's a match, then you'll be invited to Berlin to pitch your solution, discuss collaboration options, and even close a deal. You have a long way to travel? Don't worry, travel expenses are taken care of. Find out if there's a mutual interest in starting a bigger journey together. Applications for the Dealmaker program are being accepted until the 30th of June, 2017. 
What are they looking for? There's a list available on their website that includes hemophilia, women's health, ophthalmology, pulmonology, nephrology, artificial intelligence, data analysis, and clinical trials, but they're also open to other solutions that may be a good fit. Sound like this is for you? Applications are open now, and again, the deadline to apply is June 30th, 2017. Get full details on their website at grantsforapps.com forward slash Berlin. That's grants, the number four, apps.com forward slash Berlin. Now let's jump back to the conversation. I find this technology so exciting. This is so easy to use. And as you say, it's cloud-based. It can be absolutely ubiquitous. One of the things that really has me excited about this, and we've done some episodes on mental health so far, and we've got a lot more coming. Mental health is getting a lot of visibility globally, I find especially in the UK where uh, the royal members of the royal family are now advocating the importance of mental health. And we're seeing a lot of actions uh, in the US as well, really trying to talk about particularly youth and uh, the aging population and some of the mental health issues that, that they have and that they face. Have you looked at that from a mental health perspective to see how this can actually assist therapists or call centers or, or support lines to actually help give them better tools to resource people who are facing uh, mental crises? So I think that mental health area is really something, you know, like you said, first of all, it's a, it's a global problem. And in some areas, you know, the level of treatment is really challenging. Actually, one of our partners in China was just uh, pushing us to say, you know, it's such a big uh, problem in China. Let's see what, what we can do. And I think, again, the way I look at our technologies, I don't think this is a diagnostic device because I think once you get to the hospital, once you get to, to in front of the doctor, there are better tools that can do a much, a much better job in diagnostic. The way I see our technology being used is like this personal bodyguard, if you will, personal guardian angel, something that is monitoring the, the person on an ongoing basis, listening in the background, always on or during phone conversations and, and so on, and just giving you warnings when things are changing, where things are different. And that's really the unique uh, opportunity with this technology. And in mental health, you know, you could be in a good shape for 80, 90% of your day or your days. And then you want to have this something that can give you this advanced warning that something is changing. So that's true for mental health. That's true for cardio problem because we all know everyone knows like a person that suddenly you know something happened the age of 40 someone who is really healthy and exercising and so on and suddenly something happened and i think the chinese people the chinese doctor in the old chinese medicine have realized the value of being able or the way we call it using voice to save lives and now for the first time, maybe again in, in history, we can start to use technology in order to do the same, uh, the same thing. So this is like your personal bodyguard, your personal guardian angel, if you will. And again, just to make it clear, it's not actually recording the words or analyzing the words that are being spoken. It's purely looking at the voice pattern. 
right? So there, people don't. So the security, because I, I can see some ethical and security concerns coming up uh, with the application of this sort of technology. Uh, number one, for what the example that you just gave in terms of have this be a, a personal guardian angel, always listening, always sort of on. And that's one of the concerns that people have around Alexa, for example, that's always like listening to the most recent 30 seconds or whatever it is of a, of a conversation in its environment uh, and sending that up and, and analyzing those words. But then also in terms of some of the early examples you were giving in terms of human resources and, and interviews and uh, listening in on calls to call centers, how are you sort of seeing the ethical concerns around this uh, and the security concerns being addressed uh, as this technology becomes more available? So this is a very important question. I must tell you that when I was first exposed to this and and you know when we started the company, I was expecting people to be a lot more concerned about this. And I think now because of, you know, social networking and how much information people are sharing, you know, on their own, um, I guess people are a little bit more open to it, definitely the, the younger generation. But what's more important is that from our, and this is, why I guess people with our technology are a little bit less concerned is because it's very clear that we don't understand any of the words, we don't analyze any of the words, we really have no understanding. It's not dependent on anything that you say. It's really just, you know, the bits of the detonation. And once people understand it, they start to feel a lot more comfortable. We still, of course, have to make sure that you know, from security perspective, our platform is a HIPAA compliant, which is like the, the, the standard for keeping medical or health related information kind of in the in the cloud and so on. So definitely our responsibility to do this. But because it's just analyzing tone of voice and because the data is owned by the user, then once people understand it, they are a lot less uh, concerned when it comes to, to our technology. You mentioned earlier in the conversation that you use the app, the Moody's app, which I'll have a link to in the show notes, that you use the app before you do a presentation to sort of evaluate what you're saying and and give you some feedback about how you're delivering that. And I remember one of the things that I was taught when I was training as a salesperson uh, 20 something years ago was that it was a very simple thing, but people taught me when I answered the phone, to smile when I, when I answer the phone. So can you tell me if a person's smiling, does it actually make a difference to the, to the way that their voice comes across? This is actually a very interesting question, which uh, I haven't, I haven't checked. It's definitely true that this can be detected. And I think this is something that would be interesting. I'm going to try it with, uh, with Moody's. I think it's also a matter of if this is kind of a smile that is coming out of, you know, I know happiness, but at least kind of confidence, or if this is a smile that is coming out of, you know, not necessarily fear, but not feeling, not feeling comfortable. And we know this, right? We we know that with our listening, for you are a good listener, and definitely you specifically are a good uh, a good listener. You can tell when someone is feeling comfortable or not, and this is really the benefit of using such an application. Like you know, mirror mirror on the wall, who is the best speaker of of all? That's that's the kind of things that now you can uh, you can do. Well, let's crowdsource that study. What I what I suggest everybody who's listening do is download the Moody's app 
and pick a phrase, say it without smiling, and then try to say the same phrase with a genuine smile. And let's see if it gives you any different feedback. I know I'll try that, and I'm just curious because I, I always I'm always telling my daughters to smile when they when they're asking you know a, a server for something at a restaurant or something, or when they're saying thank you to make sure they smile. So I'm curious if there's any correlation between that action and uh, and the way their voice comes across. But more importantly, I think it was uh, a the fact that you're using this uh, on a regular basis to sort of coach yourself. So are you then able to then not just get the feedback on how you delivered it, but then also make adjustments and then you can see how the way that you've adjusted the way you speak has an impact on how the Moody's app is, is telling you you sound? So so that's definitely the benefit that I have because I'm using it really on an ongoing basis. And I can tell, you know, sometimes – it's fascinating to see we had one of our employees, actually our uh, VP of marketing, that one day came to the office and we had a team of, you know, like the Israeli Channel 2 that came to to film, like to do a, a piece in our office. And he started talking to Moody's because he was speaking on a regular basis. He knew how to always come across like really excited and happy. And that day he was trying it on and on and something didn't didn't click. He came across and he sounded like angry and, and impatient. And I tried it with his phone and it was working fine. <laughs> and after, you know, when it happened like for two, three days in a row, he said maybe something is wrong. And he went to the doctor and the doctor realized he had some kind of, you know, a virus or, or something. So to your question, absolutely, when I'm starting to prepare for these presentations and I'm not really feeling comfortable yet with the, the script, I can definitely see how the, the more I'm getting prepared, the better, uh, the better I sound, and I can definitely see it with Moody's. Wow, that's another great uh, application for it, and I encourage all, everyone to uh, to download the app and give it a try. I did earlier today, and I really enjoyed it, and I, I'm, I'll be using it more as I go forward. So thanks for uh, letting me know about that. So what's next? What's in the future? I mean, as we're seeing so much voice come into our everyday life, what does the future hold for Beyond Verbal? So that's really the key phenomena that we are seeing in the world is it, mostly, by the way, thanks to NLP and speech to text that has come such a long way. And like Mary Meeker was saying at some point, the big difference between 90% accuracy on the NLP and, you know, 93 or 95 makes a huge difference with the usage of these kind of devices. And this really plays in our favor. So it does look like, you know, a lot of phenomena in, in the world are starting to go to progress into our direction. And so we believe that uh, more and more devices with IOTs, with what's happening with smart cars, uh, with autonomous cars that, uh, you know, people will have more time to talk. We would just have a lot of uh, sources of voices and then the ability to understand the emotions on top of just understanding the uh, uh, the words, the ability to check about the wellness of the speakers or taking their emotions over time, and then giving them some indications about things that are wrong with, uh, with their health. 
we believe we are just starting to see, you know, almost like I would say the tip of the tip of the iceberg. And we start to see now research firms that publishing uh, research about the vocal biomarker space, completely new, the emotions analytics uh, market space. So I think we're just lucky to come out with this relatively mature or at least well-cooked kind of technology in a timing that is uh, really phenomenal. Yeah, it is great timing. I know since I met Daniel in January, I've already introduced Beyond Verbal to a few different companies. I think some of the people you've already met with yourself uh, via Skype and, and perhaps uh, by phone. And even in the few days since uh, we met in Berlin, I've thought of a few more companies and individuals I'd like to, to introduce you to. And I'm certainly going to make sure I share this interview with several people who I think can utilize your technology and certainly will have an interest in it. But we have a, a very active and engaged community listening to this podcast. And what do you need now, Yuval? And what, what can listeners do to engage and participate in what you're building and doing at Beyond Verbal? We've talked a little bit about the, the research platform and the developer piece. What are you looking for specifically and how should people engage and participate in what you're doing? So actually, there are different levels of things that uh, that we are looking for. So definitely one area is partners in the development of, you know, just a variety of, of applications. That's why we did this whole cloud-based service and made it very easy for application developers to come up with different ideas and and just use this type of thing because I think more and more people will come up with some fascinating uh, fascinating ideas. So that's kind of almost on, on the individual uh, uh, level. Uh, on a more institutional level, we are looking for uh, partners that can be either research partners on the health side or even on the, uh, the emotion side of people that want to integrate this technology into applications that, uh, that they are doing. And then, you know, as a startup, we are always uh, looking for uh, investors or people that want to, to join the, uh, the ride and help us you know, turn this vision into uh, into a reality. So research partners, commercial partners, uh, investors, and also I think I caught from your LinkedIn profile that you guys are also hiring. Right. Good engineers are always in, in short availability. So that's always something that we are going to use. And we're starting to expand uh, later this year outside of Israel. So we'll definitely look for people in in, in markets, in, in some of the markets that we are going after. And people who are interested in some of those areas, the research partners, commercial partners, investing or, or uh, becoming a, a part of your team, how should they engage? Should they go to your website? On the website, there are different areas for the research platform. There is a special area and a, and a way to send us an email directed uh, to for this uh, part uh, for the HR area. So everything is there on the on the website. Brilliant. Okay. Well, I'll make sure I include links to that. Thanks very much for all that information. I have six questions that I like to ask all of our guests here. Yuval, you have a few more minutes for me. Sure. Fantastic. Absolutely. So Yuval, what is a saying, quote, or phrase that motivates you? So, you know, for me, it's kind of been um, follow your passion. Okay. I think that life is too short um, and whatever you do, you have to really do with uh, with a lot of passion. And that, that has been a guiding thing for me. You know, at some point when 
my company was acquired by a company in the US and I was starting trying to develop some hobbies and my wife really made a joke out of me. She said, listen, it's like you're not a hobbies uh, a person. You have to, you have to enjoy, enjoy so much what you're doing on the, on the work side. And if for other people it can be, you know, hobbies or, or you know, dancing, music, whatever. Just make sure that you live every day to, to its fullest. Great advice. What advice do you have for others working to innovate in healthcare? So... I think that healthcare is really becoming, I mean, it has been, but it's becoming a bigger problem. I think that there are bigger problems that are happening now with the access to to healthcare, especially in, in you know, poor countries, poor regions, remote, uh, remote areas, and the ability to use technology in order to solve these kind of big problems mm-hmm. is extremely uh, unique. So... I would urge people that want to do something in these areas to tackle a big a big problem and see what kind of technologies they can use in order to to address them. What book do you recommend to our listeners? Hmm. <laughs> um, so, you know, for me, there are like two types. Um, I mean, two books that I I really kind of go go back to uh, to read. One is. Um, the hardest uh, thing about hard things, and this is by uh, Ben Horowitz from Andres and Horowitz. And this is an amazing book for entrepreneurs because it shows the importance and the value of strong belief and perseverance. Okay, so that, uh, that was uh, one thing. And a completely different, actually, a series of, of books about uh, Churchill. Um, there is like three books, uh, three books called uh, The Lion, talking about different phases. And talking about perseverance, I think is one of the best examples. So to really read in details all the things that uh, Churchill went through, for me, gave a lot of inspiration. So, you know, from completely two different areas, but these are books that I would definitely recommend. Uh, what tech do you use that you wouldn't want to live without? Something besides a cell phone. So I, I don't know about not living without because I think it's something that is really in the background. But I think AI as a, as a technology, even though it has been around again for a long, long time, but now it's kind of at the, the hockey stick uh, phase. I think that the ability to solve big problems in areas that were just not possible to do before, uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning is really make, is going to make a huge impact on on our world in general. So I would definitely, I don't think it's something that uh, that we would be able to live without. So I think I know the answer to the next question then. If I gave you a check for $5 million for you to invest in health technology today, how would you invest it? I would actually look like you were saying for companies that actually relates to the two, two of my answers. One is companies that are tackling big yep. healthcare mm-hmm. issues and the other is that they are using uh, AI. Exactly. You're very consistent in your answers. I like that. We make a contribution to a charity in appreciation of your time on the show. What charity have you selected? And can you tell us a little bit about what they do? Yes. So this, the charity that I'm involved with, or the nonprofit, I would say, uh, uh, charity is actually an organization in Israel 
uh, that is supporting new immigrants when they come to, to Israel and especially helping them to become entrepreneurs. I have a tremendous appreciation for people that are moving from one country to the other and they come to an area that they've never lived in before and leaving everything behind and the ability to help them, and I'm a mentor in this program and, and so on, the ability to help them realize their, their dreams in a new area is, and getting actually inspiration for them is something that I personally really appreciate and, and dedicating time to. What is the name of that charity? Uh, it's called the Gvahim, G-V-A-H-I-M, which is the Hebrew word for heights, new heights. And so that's that's the name of the of the organization. Great. Well, I will not try to pronounce it, but I will include a link to that <laughs> uh, that nonprofit on the website. Last thing, what are some good ways for people to stay in touch and follow what you're doing? Are you guys on Twitter, or should they just follow your website? Uh, actually, Twitter would be the best uh, thing. We have uh, someone who is managing our Twitter. She's actually based in California, and she's doing tremendous work. Uh, related to our work and other sources, uh, so I think Twitter would be would probably be the best way to keep up with what we are doing. Great, Yuval. Is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners before we end? Um, no, I um, I wanted to say thanks again. Uh, it's been really uh, interesting and also you know always a nice way to to reflect and share some of the the experiences. And I'll be happy to continue our dialogue. So thanks uh, thanks for the opportunity to talk with your uh, with your audience. Yeah, thank you for being on the show. Well, there you have it. That was Yuval Moore, the CEO of Beyond Verbal. Be sure to download their Moody's app and give it a try. You can find the links on the show notes at digitalhealthtoday.com forward slash 27. While you're there, please take a minute to subscribe to the podcast, and I'd love it if you left a review on iTunes. Many thanks to our sponsor, Bayer Grants for Apps. Don't forget to apply for their DealMaker program before 30th of June, 2017. You can find more details at grants4apps.com. That's grants, the number four, apps.com forward slash Berlin. We have more great guests coming up, including Michelle Longmire, the CEO and founder of Metable, who's going to discuss some of the challenges to achieving interoperability for today's developers. Jennifer Lannon from Dot Health is going to join to discuss how the web is being used to engage, inform, and support users. And Nick Adkins will share how the Pink Sox tribe is making an impact around the world. We have more great guests coming from across the U.S., the Republic of Ireland, Finland, the Middle East, Singapore, China, all these leaders are coming to share their knowledge and experience in transforming healthcare. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at HealthTechDan and follow the show at DHealth Today. Thanks again for tuning in and being a part of the digital health community. That's all for me for now. Until next time, keep on innovating.